you have your Bibles, let's go to uh, Mark the 8th chapter. And I will do my very best to wrap up this unity because on next week I want to talk about the resurrection. So Mark the 8th chapter, verse number 11. As you go there, but, but, but you should have memorized by now, hopefully, this portion of John 17 and 23. Y'all know what I'm going to say. Jesus was praying, and he says that I pray that they experience such perfect unity. They, let me back up. That they, that they be one just like you and I want, that they experience such perfect unity. There you go, Jay. He knows how to help me out, right? I, can we read that together? I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. All right? Unity. Now, some of y'all may get tired of hearing this message on unity, but I'll never stop preaching it. Uh, we got a chance to visit Duran Gray at his church on Sunday, and then we got a chance to spend about an hour or so with he and his wife on Monday just talking ministry and talking about uh, the the message of reconciliation that is uh, that is on the heart uh, of God and has always been on the heart of God. He says he sometimes he'll get messy. He got a letter, email that said, "Why do you always mention race, racial reconciliation in your message? I'm, we, are we tired of hearing that?" <laughs> but you know what? Uh, what he responded and what I will respond to is, if you're tired of hearing that, you're tired of hearing the gospel. Can I just, can I take a, a detour right quick? Everybody say a Holy Ghost detour. Let's go to Galatians 3 and 8 again. And I need y'all to understand this, that, that the message of unity is interwoven into the gospel message. So you can't preach the gospel without preaching the unity of believers. So if you're tired of hearing the unity of believers, you're tired of hearing the gospel. Can I get two amens on that? Amen. Say, prove it to me, Pastor. I'm, I'm glad you're from Missouri. I'm going to show you. Look at Galatians, the third chapter, verse number eight. Paul says this. The Apostle Paul says this. This is, you know, Paul uh, was saved on the road to Damascus, met the resurrected Savior uh, on the road to Damascus, and, and was changed and was transformed. And let me tell you something about Paul. Paul was a murderer. Paul sat by, sat, sat by in Acts, the second, seventh chapter, and watched them stone Stephen to death. But God can use anybody to carry his word. And he used murderers. He, he, he used scoundrels, scallywags. Any of y'all, were, before you got saved, were a scoundrel and a scallywag? <laughs> Those are some old school terms, but that means you were no good. Paul says this. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he says, all nations will be blessed through you. Go to the KJV. I love the way the King James Version spells it out. Because I, th- I need you to understand, this message will not go away because it's implicit. It's, it's, it's consistent with the gospel message. Text says, can we read together? And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before what? The gospel unto whom? Abraham saying what? In thee shall all nations be blessed. Over in Genesis, the 12th chapter, when he told Abram that I'm going to make you the father of many nations. That root word is, is, is the word ethnos, which means many ethnicities. For years I've re- read that. You've got to be very careful that you don't read the Bible to your, through your Americanized window of, of viewing things. If you're going to study the Bible appropriately, you've got to understand the kingdom approach to the Bible. And you've got to go back into the text to understand what was happening at that time in order to have full understanding. Sometimes we come to the scripture with our own preconceived notions about how and what God is saying. But when he says nations, he's talking about ethnic groups. He said prior to Jesus ever coming that my plan all along was to get the different ethnic groups together into my one body. Are y'all tracking with me? So Galatians 3 and they said that was the gospel. And I hear, I hear some of my evangelical brothers say all the time, well, just preach the gospel. You don't have to say anything about race. Yes, you do. Because the gospel is implicit with bringing the ethnicities together. It's only one race. That's the human race. 
Can I get a witness? Only one race, but different ethnicities within the human race. And God's plan all along, all along. The gospel was preached to Abraham before Jesus ever came in bodily form on the earth. The gospel was preached to Abraham before the crucifixion of Christ on Calvary. It was preached before him that, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, he would bring us together as one. All right, so, so if, you, if you're tired of hearing it, you got to stop preaching the gospel. And guess what? This fellow from Benton, Louisiana, Doyle R. Adams Sr., 58 years old, getting ready to be 59, will never stop preaching the gospel. Amen? And the reason why it irks some people so much is because there's something in you that got to be dealt with. And you don't even recognize you got a blind spot. How many of you know all of us have some blind spots? And it's those that are closest to us who live with us can tell us about our blind spots. Right? So start listening. So let, let's, can we get back to Mark, the eighth chapter, and lest I get myself in a position to where I'm still moving forward two or three weeks from now. We talked about when I last preached to you, and thank God for Mike Harris, thank God for Craig Pollock for sharing the past couple of weeks. They brought the word, amen. I like good expository preaching, taking the word of God, breaking it open. So let the word be the guide for what, everything that we do. Now, I, I shared with you, as we go to uh, Mark, the 8th chapter, and start reading at verse number 11, uh, I shared with you, we left off, we talked about that Jesus continu- had a continuous re- review and application process with his disciples because authentic community is representing how Jesus interfaced with his disciples while he was here on earth. And what I shared with you, it's important for us to understand the value of authentic community. So he, he had a continuous review and application, and he, he gave some lessons uh, on patience. We left off where those, you remember those guys wanted to call fire down from heaven from those who were not a part of their group. They were still ministering and doing the word, but they weren't a part of their group. So they wanted to call down fire from heaven and, and, and burn them up, especially this, when they were getting ready to go through Samaritan territory. But guys, Jesus said that if they're not against us, then they're for us. So quit arguing with people. Amen about the gospel message. And let's just do what we know God has told us to do. Amen? If we keep our focus on what God has called us to do, we won't have, our, we won't have the time to be focusing on what everybody else is doing. Amen? All right. So let's get to, uh, if, if you will, we're going to uh, get to this eighth chapter and look at verse number 11. And we're going to uh, share with you some principles uh, that are observed uh, in this passage, in the principle that applied as Jesus walked with his disciples in authentic community. Because we want to know how to do this stuff. I shared with you before and I'll share with you again. Studying in this stuff is, is one aspect, but making proper biblical application is the other part of it. That's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you about the foundation and the theological construct for the unity of believers before we got into some of these hard conversations. Because I had to get your mind right first. Because how many of y'all know people come to the church with warped minds? Some of y'all got some warped thinking right now. Talking about, I don't want to hear it, pastor. (laughs) Guess what? You're going to keep hearing the gospel if you come here. So if you don't want to hear the gospel, then uh, I'll find a church. I'm not going to send you somewhere that don't preach the gospel. All right? But we're going to share the gospel with you, okay? Is that fair enough? And if I show you in the scripture... And we properly exegete the text. If you have an issue, I told you all along, let's go and, just, let's go and, and, and reason out of the scripture. But we talk about it all the time, right? So share with me what your concern is, and let's go to the word of God and see what the word of God says. Okay? What people do is, because they can't argue it theologically, they come up with some other reason. And they don't want to go to the word. Well, but Pastor, I agree with what you said, but, but you know what? I don't like how you're doing that. So you can't argue theologically, so you say, I'm going to argue with the methods. How many of you know different administration, but what? Same Lord. So can we, can we dig a little bit? Are y'all still friends with me? You know I came back ready to preach, right? I'm a little bit refreshed today. Can I get a witness? I've been poured into. And see, the Holy Ghost knows exactly where you are. The Holy Spirit knows what's What's matriculating in your mind? And he called me to push that stuff out that doesn't belong to God. So I'm the type of pastor who loves you enough to tell you the truth. Amen? I, I love you, 
And your, your little feelings, okay, I, 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 I'm going to be careful how I say it, but I'm going to speak the truth in love. If you know I love you, I can talk to you. Right? Can I? Come on, members. I want y'all to look at me. Y'all know your pastor loves you, don't you? So can your pastor talk to you? All right? Good, good, good. All right. Let's go to work. Ever say, work it, pastor. I will do it. Let's read. Ready? Go. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Now, the Jews were always trying to, 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 to get somebody to do something to prove that they were from God. And, and notice what Jesus tells them right here. Look, look, look at the text. It says, when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give you, I will not give this generation any such sign. Notice what Jesus says. I will not give this generation any such sign. One of the reasons why he wouldn't do it because people can see a miracle and still won't believe. Are y'all with me? You can know what God has done. You can see it and still not believe. Listen to what he says here. Next verse. Let's read. So, so he got back into the boat and left them and he crossed to the other side of the lake. All right. Remember, they were looking for a sign. The ones who were trying to trap. Okay. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Text says, as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now watch, this next verse begins to give us insight into the fact that the disciples still have some growing to do. It gives us insight into the fact that, that, that their mindset was still of a carnal nature because Jesus was speaking spiritually here, but they couldn't understand him because they were still carnal-minded. That's why some of y'all listen to me and some of the word that's coming forth, you can't receive because you're still carnal-minded. To be carnal means to be still a little fleshy, still got a little cuss in you, Still got a little cheat in you. Fleshy. Look at the neighbor and say, are you fleshy? Still get your feelings hurt real easily. Get mad and pull away and quit. Can I say this? And I'm not one that preaches politics. And, 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 but I, but, I, but I want to <laughs> share this with you. I, uh, as, I, as I watch some of the, the, the uh, Supreme Court hearing for Katanji Brown Jackson, I sat there and I was amazed how this woman took these questions from, from, from some people who were not showing leadership. Can I put it that way? Because if you're in a position that you've been elected by the people, you ought to learn how to lead and lead well. Even if you disagree with somebody, you don't have to be an idiot when you're disagreeing. Let me back up. Act like an idiot. Because I'm not calling anybody an idiot. If you act like an idiot, if you act like a fool, I'm saying I didn't call you a fool, but you acted like one. And it goes on both sides, guys. When a Republican has a nominee, the Democrats do the very same thing. No leadership. Would you want your children to behave that way? It's asinine to me the level of hypocrisy that is displayed by our, quote, political leaders. And my patience with that stuff is, is, is ran thin a long time ago. Are y'all listening to me? But, but, I, was, but, I, was, but I, was, I was amazed at with the, the calmness and the coolness in which she handled all those arrows that were being shot at her. And, 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 and and, and I, I thank God for the historical nature of that appointment. Uh, but sometimes we don't know as Christians how to respond the right way. Even when it comes to the preached word that's coming, we'll get mad at the pastor for bringing the word. All I tell you is, let's go to the book. If you have an issue with it, come, let's sit down and reason. But most people won't come down and reason because they don't have a good reason for why they're feeling the way they feel. They're in their feelings and they're thinking about themselves rather than about what does God want for this body? His body, the church. 
So we come up with other reasons. Okay? I'm going to ask you to respond. Learn how to respond the right way. You know, this, this, you know and I'm so sure all of y'all saw the, the, the Oscars when Will Smith went up and slapped Chris Rock. And, this, and the statement that's going around now is, I'm, I'm going to Will Smith you. <laughs> I heard Ari Vernon says, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to Will Smith you. I'm going to Chris Rock your world. That means Chris Rock responded not with violence in return, but went on and carried out the show like a professional. My question to you is, when somebody comes at you hard and crazy as a believer, are you going to respond like Will Smith? Are you going to respond like Chris Rock? My goodness. How are you going to respond when people come at you and say, are you woke now? I'm tired of y'all talking about this unity amongst the believers. It ain't going to ever happen. Well, I got a problem with that statement because the Bible talks about what we as believers should be doing. So I'm going with the word of God. Are y'all with me? So the disciples here, again, let's go back. They were carnal in their thinking. So you can't, you can't be carnal in your thinking and respond the way that judge did. You got to be spirit-minded because arrows will be pointed. I know some of y'all talk about me in a not, not so, not so uh, uplifting way. I know you have your time. Sometimes, I tell you, sometimes you ought to be a little bit mad with me if you're carnal-minded. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak the truth. And the Holy Ghost knows what you're dealing with. You don't have to tell me anything. I just come in and preach the word of God. And the Holy Ghost will come knocking at your door. Yeah, you and your wife had an argument last night. And it's because you were, you were out of line, brother. Or because you were out of line, sister. And all of a sudden, the word of God comes in my spirit. I don't know where it came from. And he tells me to deal with that issue. And, and, and you look at your husband. Did you tell him? Did you tell him? No, nobody told me the Holy Ghost speaks. I'm just a vessel that God uses to give the word out. So, if you don't get mad at anybody, see, I know what it is. You're too scared to get mad at God, so you get mad at me. That's okay. I'll take the bullet. That's what I was designed to do. The pastoral role was designed to do. So, so they were thinking carnally as they were crossing the lake. Jesus warned them, watch out. Be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. I got to move, y'all. Watch this. And this, here goes the carnal-minded followers of Christ. Now, these dudes have been walking with the master. They saw the master perform miracles. They saw the master save souls. And, but look at what happened. As they, as, at this, they begin to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Watch this. Can we unpack it? Next verse. Come on. Jesus knew what they were saying. How many of y'all know Jesus know what you're saying? How many of y'all know Jesus? Jesus hears you in your, in your house when, you, when you're having this church for dinner. Jesus hears you. Come on. He hears you when you're gossiping about other saints. He hears you when you're complaining and whining. Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. I, I made up in my mind that the, the, the number of years that I have remaining here on this earth, I refuse to walk around in a state of depression. I refuse to not have the joy of the Lord as my strength. I'm going to rejoice every day. So when you see me smiling, it ain't fake. It's because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Are y'all with me? Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Even yet? In other words, you guys have been walking with me. I've been pouring into you, and you still don't understand? Don't you know and understand even yet? All your hearts, watch this. Here's, here's what was happening. The condition of the heart made them unable to receive the seed of the word. The parable of the sower who went forth to cast out seed, the soil in which the seed fell upon determined whether or not fruit would be produced. And some of the reasons why some of us can't receive this word or any other word is because our hearts are hardened. Right? Remember when Jesus unpacked the meaning of that parable? He said the soil is the condition of men's heart. 
And Jesus says right here, his disciples still, one of the reasons why they, they couldn't understand it, he says, don't you now, don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Let's keep going. Watch what Jesus says. Let's go. You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? This is the master talking to his disciples, his followers who have been walking with him. And now I'm your pastor talking to you. Don't, do you not yet understand? Are you not yet ready to embrace the preached word of God and let your feelings and your historical context be an experience generator, but it doesn't stop you from moving with God? Are y'all with me? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Next verse. When I fed, watch this, when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Here Jesus does what he needs to do in our lives, we need to do, he pushed them in remembrance of the miracle he had done before. Right? They thought he was talking about Bread, literal bread. But he was, he was, he was talking about a spiritual construct, a spiritual a meaning that he was placing into their hearts, but they were thinking carnally. So Jesus goes where they are. He says, when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? How many did they say? It said 12, right? Uh, it says, and when I fed the 4,000, here we go again, when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Keep reading. Don't you understand yet? They had saw him do miracles, and yet they, 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 they're arguing about you didn't bring. Who, who forgot the food? That's basically what they're saying. Who forgot the food? It was bad when you get hungry and there's no food, right? How many of y'all get antsy and a little itchy and irritable when you get hungry? Anybody? Any of y'all like my wife? My wife gets antsy and irritable when she gets hungry. Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. I, I need y'all to, yeah, yeah, I see you out there. Just start getting mad. Just start looking like this. Like the smell or something. Y'all know that look? Rather just come out and say, I'm hungry. You just, you, you're looking all crazy. Don't you understand yet? He asked them, keep going. Let's go. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Let's, can, we, can we back up for a second? Let's go to Mark, the sixth chapter, and look at verse four through six right quick. And I promise you, I'm going to give you these last four points and let you get out of here. See, Jesus. As, 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 as you turn to Mark 6, chapter verse 4 through 6, Jesus kept after the disciples constantly, giving them increasingly more attention as his ministry on earth came to a close. He wouldn't let them rest in success or failure. And it's, it's bad to do either one. Some people accomplish things and they start to rest. That's why... A football team, when they win the Super Bowl, they can't afford to parade all offseason. You got to go back to work. Because next season is upcoming. And if you're going to compete for the championship again, you got to get ready. That's why I believe it's, 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 been, it's been a number of years since a team has repeated as Super Bowl champion. And I believe part of it is, is related to the, the number of distractions that we have nowadays in the age of social media that distracts people from what the real issue ought to be in that arena there. And I think that, that, that happens to us today as Christians. Uh, the, you know, because of the social media, amen, directing our attention away from the word of God, we get distracted real easily. So much so that our attention spans has decreased. So as you say, if you go past 25 minutes, you're going to lose everybody in preaching. Well, I was in a lot of trouble. Because here's what I know. I'm not telling you what I heard. Here's what I know. I know that 80% of y'all, all, this is all the Bible you're going to get for the whole week. Because 80% of y'all don't have a regular quiet time with the Lord. Oh, you ain't got to raise your hand. I don't want you to embarrass yourself. 
But, but survey after survey tells us that 80% of believers who are regular attenders at church don't have a, a, a personal quiet time where they spend time in the Word of God. Or not even involved in a small group where they uh, can challenge each other in their faith walk. And yet you want to be a disciple. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to go to heaven so you don't go to hell and you're not concerned about being an ambassador for Christ here on earth. What I'm going to tell you is, is that God saved you to be an ambassador. He saved you to have kingdom impact here on earth and, and, and he has invested too much in you to let you sit and be a pew member. He wants to use you. He would not let them. He would not let them, guys. Everybody say he wouldn't let them. He would not let them rest in success or failure. So if, if, if the, the, thank God for the Oso Prices Girls Retreat, but we can't stop right there because these girls are being challenged with stuff every day. Some little dudes, some little boy at school already trying to, to, to get under her skirt. Well, uh, uh, well, but Pastor, you know, uh, my, 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 my children are, are, are Christians. They go to uh, uh, the youth ministry, and, uh, and, and they are part of a Christian school, and, and they, we, got, we got a good school up in Benton. I don't care how good the school is. I don't have Christian. The, the, all right, all right. How many of y'all, y'all been to college? How many of y'all been to college? How many of y'all knew some kids that went to church and came from Christian schools? And on campus, some of them were some of the biggest whores. Can I say it that way? The, Bible, the word is in the, in the, in the word. I, I, didn't, I didn't cuss you out. The, the, the Bible talks about whoremongering. And some of those ones who you fought and parents, 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 parents. Don't you ever get so deceived in thinking that my child won't do that. Oh, I know my child. Some of y'all are so naive. Before the next child goes to college, goes off to school, we need to have a this is how it is session. I think I'm, Brother Craig, if you hear me, uh, put that down. I want to have a this is how it is session with all the, 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 uh, the, the high school graduates who get ready to go off to school. I, I want to have a let me open your mind session. Because some parents, if you never went to college, you don't know. You think, okay, they go out there and they got, they, they, they meet in that same curfew I gave them at home. <laughs> oh, you in there? I, I know my baby's in by, by 11 o'clock. And your baby out there. Two o'clock in the morning. Everybody said, wake up. up. So my point is, even though that was a successful thing, that can't be the end of the story. That can't be the end of the pouring into them because we have to constantly be reminded of what the word of God says and constantly have that poured in us just like you and I did. You can't study the word of God one time and, oh, I got it all now. He would not let them rest in success. Or failure. Y'all with me? He would not let them rest in success or in failure. Jesus would let his followers have some experience or make some observation of their own. And then he would use this as a starting point to teach a lesson of discipleship. That's why I told you, one of the things that we're going to be doing more heavily as a ministry here is, as I told you on last week, a, a couple of weeks ago, is we're going to teach and we'll give opportunity to serve. We will have some serving opportunities for us to engage the community. And we want to have those consistently on a monthly basis. Now, listen, I told you about balancing life. And I, I had to learn this because my, where's my dad? Where's my dad? Is he here? Paul is back there in the back. Now, one thing that I inherited, and, I, and I, I'm finding out more and more, and my wife tells me, you're just like your daddy. <laughs> one thing that I inherited from my dad is a strong, strong, strong work ethic. I mean, he, would, he just, he, he's going he's to work. 
He just, he's going to work. He's going to find, even at 84, he's still out there piddling around with the cars, trying to do a little something, something. So I inherited that work ethic to where I have to be careful as they minister the gospel, like many ministers do, that I don't get out of balance when it comes to the work of ministry. You follow me? Because I still have a, a family. I'm married. I have children. Now, my, my children now are, 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 are pretty much all, well, they are grown. The youngest one is 22. The youngest one is still in our hip pocket. I mean, and at, and it, if, he's in our hip pocket at, at, at a high level. <laughs> Can I talk to y'all? Can I tell y'all my story? Now, it's a good thing. Now, the one thing about Junior is he don't really ask for nothing unless he needs it. Now, my daughter, Sandra, on the other hand, I love her. And I love my daughter, Tanya, on the other hand. You know, Tanya or Junior don't, you know, they're not, they don't, they don't uh, demand a whole lot. And Sandra's really, really good, too, because she's making her own money now. But she's still in my hip pocket on some things. How many of y'all got a child that you're still paying, letting them use a gas card? And she, she, had, she had the audacity the other day saying, you know, because I have a Chevron card that I gave her, and uh, the Chevrons are, are disappearing around. You can't hardly find them. And I had a Shell card, and most of the Shell gas stations are disappearing. But she was of the house the other day said, I need to get that Shell card from you, Daddy. Okay, why do you need the Shell card, son? Aren't you 33? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being facetious, but... But we, we, we tried to help her as she's progressing in her career field. So uh, I'm, I'm not enabling because she makes her own money. She, you know, pays pretty much everything. But there are some things that was, how many of y'all got kids that's still holding on to something? You still, anybody? Now, some of y'all got kids at home. You, you, you got to foot the whole bill, right? <laughs> I got sidetracked. Can we get back? <laughs> Can we get back? But, but my son, but my son is getting ready to graduate. He's in professional aviation. So if anybody want to help, you know, Flying planes is expensive. Ain't that right, Brother Richard? It's, it's expensive. And so every time he goes up, we got, we got to build his flight hours. He already got a couple of job offers already. But he got to get to 1,000 hours in his flying time. So, uh, so we, we have to foot the bill for the, the flight hours. Okay? So if anybody knows anybody that needs a pilot <laughs> for a season in life, I have one for you. He's a good kid, won't cuss you out, very mannable, all right? And, and you just give him a job, let him fly for you. He'll fly you wherever you want to go. That'll help him build up those hours. I might need to get a part-time job to pay for those flight hours. But you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice that for my son. I'm willing to sacrifice that for my girls. And if they need something, they can come to daddy. I ain't going to enable them, but I'm going to help them. Can I get two amens out there in the house? Yeah. All right? So let's get back. So, so, so uh, that thing about, you know, success or failure, don't, don't stop. So we're going to have a roundtable discussion with those who are getting ready to go off to college. Because some of you parents are too afraid to tell them what you did. So just let me talk about what happens down there, okay? <laughs> we, all, we, all, we all entrust your children to me. Because I'm telling you, sure as you're born, and sure as they are born again believers, the devil has his eyes on them already. Because he knows if he can ruin their testimony on that college campus, and they come back home and start grunting at you and acting crazy, like, what happened to my child? So I want to try to prep them a little bit. Is that fair enough? Because I don't want to rest on the success that they've had so far. I want to pour into them. So... Jesus will let, will let his followers have some experience and make some observations of their own, and then he will use this as a starting point to teach a lesson of discipleship. So we're going we're gonna to be learning and doing. Learning and doing. Not learning and sitting, but learning and doing. And if you're looking for opportunities, we're going to start listing those opportunities, and we got some already. We're going to formalize it a little bit more so you can get engaged in helping us do the outreach work of ministry. Amen? Because ministry is more than about coming here on Sunday. You come in to get exhorted, to get trained, to, to, to get in, 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 
exhorted on to do the work of ministry. The work of ministry happens outside. It's for, it happens in your home. It happens in your neighborhood. It happens in your job. Okay? So, 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 so get, get, get to Mark the sixth chapter with me, verse number four through six. Lord Jesus. Because remember, they began to argue with themselves because they thought he was talking about bread. And he says, guys, y'all remember the 5,000? Y'all remember the 4,000? And I promise you that's what God is telling some of you all today. You sit up there fretting and worrying about the situation. God said, don't you remember five years ago when I came through for you? Don't you remember last year when you had sickness in your body, you had COVID and looked like you weren't going to make it and I came in, I healed your body and now you got a little cold today and you're scared? If he did it before, he'll do it again. So Jesus is reminding them, hey, 5,000, how many you had left over? 12. 4,000, how many you had left over? Seven. Why are you arguing about bread? It's because they were carnal-minded. That's why I'm, I'm getting back to my point. People argue about stuff in the church, and many times it's because they're carnally, they're looking at things from a carnal viewpoint. And many times, when we're honest about it, this issue of unity and this issue of racial reconciliation, many, most people, and even Christians, look at it from a carnal viewpoint and not what the scripture says is from a spiritual viewpoint. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Let's go. Come on. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. How many of your family and your kinfolk be the ones that be thinking, she thinks you're something else? What, you too good for us now? You can't drink with us anymore? You can't smoke weed with us anymore? Who, who, who does he, who does she think she is? Family members. He said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and his own family. Next verse is what? And because, I'm getting back to the carnal mind and state of people, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and do what? Heal them. Jesus' ability to perform great miracles was limited because of the environment. An environment of unbelief. Go, to, go with me to Hebrews 12 and 1. Watch this. The environment of unbelief. I got to get this. I got to get this in. I was re- doing some reading and, I, and, and, and this guy did a great job of breaking this down. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, is it time to make a change in your environment? Look what Hebrews 12 and 1 says. Can we read together? It says what? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Can okay, he says the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Your biggest potential enemy in life, besides the devil and your own wrong thinking, is the environment in which you live. We just saw that the Bible says it didn't say Jesus couldn't do any mighty works because he's the Savior, he's the master. He's God in, in human flesh. But it did say that he could not there in his hometown of Nazareth do many miracles because of what? The environment of unbelief. And many of y'all are sitting in environments of unbelief in your home, in your family, uh, 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 in your church. I mean, hopefully you, you, you've understood by now that we're going to walk by faith. And we're not going to have doubting Thomases. Uh, and I told you, that Th- Thomas sometimes gets a bad rap. That one little incident, we still remember him by that one little incident. What if you remember by that one little incident that you did? Old drunk Ben. <laughs> oh, look at old drunk Ben coming. <laughs> he got drunk one time in college. And ran down the street naked, and you know him as drunk Ben running down the street naked. How many of y'all have some stuff that you are thankful that the Lord delivered you from, forgave you of, and covered you? 
Oh, no, 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 no. You ain't getting ready. How many of y'all got some stuff you're thankful that the Lord covered it for you? I, I know I do. What is it, Pastor Angel, in business? I'm thankful. So none of us have room to be criticizing others. We, call, we, we, we do talk about what's, what's right and what's wrong. And talking about what's right and what's wrong is not judging. It's, called, it's declaring what's right and what's wrong. And there's some stuff that's going on in society, guys. And I'm going to preach about this. I'm going to deal with here in the coming months. I'm going to talk about, I don't know what I'm going to call the series, in the news or whatever. But we're going to deal with some of the stuff that's, that's happening culturally that we as a church have to be prepared to deal with. There's a lot of sexual stuff. I don't know about, you know, gender stuff and where school systems are trying to teach kids at a younger age about choosing your gender. We got to talk about that because I don't want you leaving away from here thinking, okay, I can just choose to decide whether or not he's a boy or a girl. No, 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 no. Okay, we're going to talk about in a spirit of love, not a spirit of I hate you. But sinners need to be saved. And they can't get saved if you yelling and fussing and cussing at them. You got to show the love of Christ. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that's so easy to trip us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It's a fact that your environment tends to affect you in the way you think. For example, if you used to smoke or if you used to have a drinking problem, it's probably not a smart idea to go hang around people who over there. Sometimes it looks strange to me to see people do it. If you're smoking now, uh, smoking won't send you to hell, but it it can send you to heaven prematurely. Do I have some medical profession here who can nod to his and say, yes, it will, Pastor. So, so tell me, why would you continue to ingest into your body? Yo, know, the tobacco companies were made to put a warning on the label. You know, back in the day, smoking was a cool thing. You ever saw some of the old movies? Huh? And people would be... They would be smoking, and, and, and it would be cool. Especially it was cool. I, I told Maria, I said, I thought it was cool when I would see somebody smoking, uh, have a cigarette in their mouth. Y'all probably seen this. They're going to talk about I think me, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Come on, son. And that thing would never drop out of their mouth. I kind of admire that. I kind of want to do that, okay? How many of y'all were that good with your cigarette hanging out your mouth? And sitting there dying a slow death. So if, you, if, you, if you're smoking, you don't want to hang around people who smoke. That may, I might say that being in that environment too much if, if, you, if you're not delivered. If you're going to go back in that environment, you go back in and try to bring somebody else out. If you have a problem uh, with yielding yourself to somebody, you got to do what Paul says, flee fornication, run from it. You can't hang around that dude. Because he says one thing, or he, he makes one move on you. He touches you in, in, a, in a certain spot that, that, that it just you, you, you get weak. Some of y'all look at me like, he didn't just say that, did he? Yes, I did just say that. Because I'm trying to help you when you're in an environment that you shouldn't be in. And you know you've fallen every time he touched you in that one spot. You're like, oh. Okay, Lord, just forgive me this one time. Guys, we got we to use wisdom. Come on now, y'all looking at me, y'all laughing, but you know there are some areas that you need to remove yourself from. 
I mean, to protect your integrity. Don't trust your flesh. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Don't trust your flesh. I know you think you will never, but I can't tell you people who I talked to who said, I will never. I talked to myself and said, I have never. I said I never, but I did. Okay, so let's not fool ourselves. We're all grown in here. Let's quit pretending like we don't have challenges. So, so, hanging around people who still do the things that may lure you back into what you shouldn't be doing, it's not a healthy thing. All right? So, he says this, when you look at this, in this passage here, in the case of he says, the sin which does so easily beset us, what kind of sin is this verse talking about? The word so easily besets us is from the Greek word, and I'll just try to my best to pronounce it. It's epiristasos. It's, let me back up and say it again. Euperistasos. And it's a compound of three words, E-U, and then P-E-R-I, and then S-T-A-T-O-S. E-U-P-E-R-I, the second word, and the third word is S-T-A-T-O-S. The word E-U usually means well, but in this case, it carries the idea of something that feels well or something that is comfortable. The Greek word peri, okay, the second word, means around or being completely surrounded. The third word, status, is from the root word esteeming, which means to stand. So when these three words are compounded together, the new word describes something that comfortably surrounds, something that comfortably stands all around you, such as a comfortable environment. So when you look at that phrase, Hebrews 12 and 1, it could be understood to say this, lay aside the sin and the environment that so comfortably envelops you or surrounds you. How many of y'all got some, some stuff that, that if you're in that environment, you, you, you tend to be comfortable in it? Some of y'all are comfortable in a gossipy environment. Let's get together. You ain't talking about this. You talk about this one, we pray, then you start talking about everybody else. Some of y'all are comfortable in a gossipy environment. Rather say, you know what, sister? You know, I understand that you may feel a certain way, but have you talked to that person about the thing you're telling me about? Because after all, the Bible says, if there's an all, a, a disagreement between you and the brother or sister, you go to them one-on-one. Have you talked to them? See, when you start saying that kind of stuff, people stop bringing you. Old folks say, if a dog bring a bone, is that? Yeah. Which, y'all heard me say before, which stinks more, the trash or the trash can? I would tell you they stink equally as much. Because when I take my garbage out to the road and the trash man comes into the trash can, when I open the top up, it still stinks. There's a residue there. At least the garbage is gone, but that trash can carries a residue. And how many of you are sitting there carrying stinking residue of gossip in your mind? Okay, are you still with me? Sometimes in order to make the necessary change, and here's what happens, you're going to be a disciple of Christ in order to make the necessary change in your life, you have to sometimes physically remove yourself from a situation that's not good for you. Sometimes you've got to physically remove yourself from people who are not good for you. Some folks are toxic for you. And every time you're around them, you're getting in trouble. You're doing something you don't have any business doing. Is that right? You know those kind of people, don't you? All right, so get, get back to the outline. So, so the gospel, God has designed us to walk in unity. Let's, let's, let's if you will, uh, let's turn real quickly, and I, I got to hit this in, and we're going on, hit these last four points, okay? Um, Colossians 1, 19 through 20. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. Watch this. It says, for God in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. Watch this. Next verse. And through him, who, Christ, God did what? 
reconcile everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of what? Christ's blood on the cross. He made peace with what? With everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Through, through him, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. The word reconciled here is from the Greek word apokatolamos. Okay, let me say it again, apocatileso, okay, apocatileso, which means to restore and create harmony in a relationship. The blood of Jesus will reconcile the whole universe and God's people are to be reconciled to him and to each other in harmony by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary. This gospel reality helped the ethnically divided Jews and Gentiles who were following Christ at that time. It, the reality of the blood, the reconciling power of the blood allowed the Jews and Gentiles to come together in unity in the New Testament and caused the church to grow exponentially because they realized the blood was shed to bring unity to the followers of Christ. So Jesus was getting these principles out to his followers. Look at these, look on your, uh, the last part of your, your outline. So the principle applied. Watch this. Jesus discipled the 12 men who would later change the world. And as he taught them, he gradually released them into ministry through a four-step process. Okay, number one, first Jesus ministered and the disciples watched him. I told you for the first year and a half, disciples were walking with Jesus, and they just watched him work and assist him where they could. Are y'all with me? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught God's truths while the disciples observed, listened, and learned as a part of the crowd. But when Jesus went into the synagogue and healed the lame, cleansed the lepers, and gave hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind, the disciples were there to watch him. They're watching him move. It's, it's a dangerous thing to get a new convert in a new convert who just got saved and send them out on journey. That's dangerous because they have not grown. They have not been cultivated. They have not been discipled. Jesus took time to, to model what he wanted his disciples to do. So first, Jesus ministered and the disciples watched him. Secondly, Jesus allows the disciples to assist him in ministry. So when you have somebody come in that's new and, and, you, and you bring them along, they watch you do the work of ministry. At some point in time, you're going to bring them along to assist you in the work of ministry. When Jesus fed the multitude, he broke the bread and performed the miracle, but the disciples distributed the supernatural bread to the hungry crowd and collected the surplus. They were assisting him in ministry. The third step was the disciples did the ministry themselves with Jesus' assistance. Y'all with me? So he turned around from them watching him to them watching him and assisting him to them doing it. He assisting them. Y'all with me today? After his transfiguration, Jesus came down from the mountain and walked straight into a crowd that was in an uproar in Mark, the ninth chapter. Y'all remember that? Disciples had been trying to cast out a demon from a possessed boy, and they were failing miserably. Y'all remember the story, right? And so in utter frustration and desperation, the boy's father turned to Jesus and asked him to intervene. I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. So Jesus stepped in. Everybody says Jesus stepped in. He stepped in, cast, cast, cast out the demon, and made the boy whole again, okay? Are y'all with me today? Later, Jesus rebuked the disciples who were powerless on their own by saying, this kind can only come forth by prayer and fasting. So the third step was they were doing the work, but they needed assistance from Jesus. How many of y'all know that we need to have Christ assisting us in doing the work of ministry? And finally, Jesus wife as his disciples ministered to others. Jesus sent them out with instructions to go into the world, to cast out demons, and to preach the gospel. And they came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, isn't it, isn't it interesting <laughs> that, that, that previously, when you saw him in Mark the 9th chapter, when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, they were not able to cast out the demon. So what happened? 
they begin to grow in strength and in knowledge and in trust in the saving work and the powerful work of Christ Jesus. So that now, when he sent them out, he knew they were ready. Sometimes we send people out, they're not ready. So part of your getting ready, hear me, EBC members, who you said the Lord led you to be a part of this church. And I don't doubt that. I believe that God did lead you to come here. So if he led you to be a part of this ministry, whether you've been here one year, whether you've been here 35 years or 50 years, we all have to learn how to be disciple and train to do the work of ministry. Don't stay in that state to where you can't cast a demon out. These boys went out and the demons were something under them because Jesus understood that they, they were ready to go out. He didn't send them out before they were ready. So you can't get ready if you're not doing some moving. And part of us getting ready is, is to be a part, to be a part, to be a part, to be a part of this church's discipleship training. And I'm going to say this, I say it unapologetically, because what, where else can you go and be a member and then sit and do nothing? But the pastor... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not comfortable. Uh, uh, I don't think every area is not your gifting, but you got some gifting that can be utilized in the work of ministry. But it first starts with you learning. I'm telling you right now, if you can't connect, in the, you, if you can't connect with the type of training or you refuse to, then you limit yourself in what you can do in, in growing in your faith. Because most people who are not connected with the corporate discipleship training aren't doing it on their own. I just told you, survey after survey tells us 80% of Christians don't study the Bibles. And if you're not doing it with us, the chances are you're not doing it on your own. So you limit your ability for God to utilize you. So when you don't do it, let me say it right, I'm going to say it unapologetically, you're in disobedience. When there's no reason why you can't. Oh, bro, pastor, I work a little late and I don't get off the 630... Bang, we got Zoom. You can Zoom in on your way home. See, we're a hybrid church now. But Pastor, I live too far away. I, I, the Lord led me to Benton to be there. Don't you think God knew you lived in South Freeport when he led you to Benton? And, and God is doing it. We have people that drive from some out-of-line areas to come in. Thank God for that. But we got to be willing to connect ourselves and to be disciples and to be trained. So as your pastor, I'm going to keep pushing you to get involved. I'm not going to come to your house and try to put, put a gun on your head and say, you're going to sign up. Because ultimately, if you're not willing, hear me carefully, and I love every last one of y'all, but some of y'all are not willing to participate in your own spiritual development. And God ain't going to make you, and I won't either. But I will tell you, you're limiting yourself in how God can utilize you. Y'all hear me? You're limiting yourself in how God can utilize you because the order of the house is that we're going to study together on Wednesdays. So what's your reason why I'm not studying? So you need a pastor who will do this. I'm not afraid you're going to call a meeting and fire me. I told you I still got skills. I told you I still get calls from bankers who said, if you want a job, you can come right back. I'm saying that facetiously, guys. I, don't, I know this is not that kind of church. You know, having served here for 33 years, I know this is not this kind of church. And I know when I talk to you this way, you don't, if you get offended, it's because there's something on the inside. You, you know, I'm saying this in, in, a, in, a, in a loving, uh, sort of joking way, but I mean what I say. Well, perhaps I don't read so If you don't read so well, it's okay, listen. Nobody's going to put you on the spot. But there's no excuse for not being engaged. Unless you're working or sick. Okay. Now, I ended the message on that note 
because it is critically important for us to become disciple, disciplined ones. Some of y'all, your pride is riding up right now. You ain't going to tell me what to do. That's pride. Because, can I give you this last verse? I can't leave you thinking that Doyle's just saying this. Or little fellow's just saying this. Jay, can you pop up Hebrews, the 13th chapter for me right quick? And I, want, and I want you to turn in your Bible, your, or your, or your, 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 your iPad or your phone. Go to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. And let's look at verses. This is the last one. I promise you it's the last one. I promise. Or as we say in the old days, I swear. We don't say before God. I swear for God. <laughs> Anybody in the house? Tell me what your Bible says. Um. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, go to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verses 15 through 17. Okay, y'all there? All right, now listen, this ain't doology. It's not me being a mean pastor. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. How many of y'all believe the Bible is God's word? Can we do it again? How many of y'all believe the Bible is God's word? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. All right. Need you to raise your hands, okay? All right. This is a, this is a poor sermon. And I'm, I'm going to share with you right quick what the word of God says, okay? So now, how many of y'all believe the Bible is God's word? Amen. Great. How many of y'all believe we're supposed to do what it says? Amen. How many of y'all are willing to do what it says? <laughs> it got a little load in. Watch this. Can we read together? Let's go. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. We all be always in the mindset of praising God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. God, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. I don't care if they look at you crazy. You say, Lord, I thank you, and I magnify you today. You are my soon-coming king. I love you, God. Next verse. I hear somebody talking and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. We're getting ready to ask you to connect with us on some some outreach ministry here. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Next verse. Stop. In the context of the local church, who is your spiritual leader or one of them? Did I make that up? Let's read out loud on purpose. That hurts some of you all because your doggone tail so full of pride. Can I say it that way? I love y'all. I love y'all. Oh, God, I love y'all. Obey your spiritual leaders. I didn't make that up. Look at this. Their work is to watch over your soul. I'm, going, I'm watching over some of y'all's souls, and some of y'all ain't concerned about your soul. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are what? Accountable to God. That's, that's why I preach the way I preach. Guys, God's going to hold me accountable for what I tell you. So when I challenge you to get connected to discipleship training, it's because that's a part of our process of learning who the real God is. Because if we're going to operate at maximum peak performance, we don't need carnal-minded folks talking against what the Word of God says. So when you study the Word of God, when you you have a proper theological and biblical construct of unity, then you won't say some of the crazy stuff you've been saying. That's why I wanted to give you word first. Now we're having the bridge and the gap, and we did a poor job of, of describing what that was, but that's us, that's EBC's effort to have some crucial conversations. I had to get your mind right first. Some of y'all mind had to get right first before we could have a crucial conversation, because otherwise you've been enough fussing and fighting. 
So now that you have a theological construct of what unity is and what God's plan is for his church, then now hopefully you can have a conversation that's intelligent and biblically led. That's why we did it that way. Okay? Their work is to watch your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That will certainly not be for your benefit. So y'all don't let me go on vacation for two weeks. I won't preach this long again. Okay? <laughs> Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Obviously, that means if they tell you to do something that's not in line with God's word, you're under no obligation to do it. And you ought to come to me if it's not in line with God's word. Say, Pastor, you said that, but that's not in line with God's word. I would hope I wouldn't miss it that big. But in case I do, come and say, Pastor, what you said there was not biblical. Here's why. Here's the context. Who wrote it? Who he wrote it to? What was he dealing with? But don't come to me. I just feel like we ought not do that. What, what are you talking about? It's not about what you feel. It's about what the word of God said. Don't y'all know sometimes God tell me to say y'all stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't really think I ought to say that God. Say it. Because I don't want to get to the beam of judgment of Christ. I don't want to get to the beam of judgment of Christ and have him judge me because I didn't tell you the truth. So now if, if you, when you get to the beam of judgment of Christ and you lose rewards because you wouldn't engage, it won't be because I didn't tell you to, to, to engage. Y'all feel me? I love all of y'all. I love y'all. Thank you, Sister Galloway. That's Sister Marjean Galloway. I, if I don't know anybody else that loves me, Sister Galloway loves her pastor. <laughs> Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Don't make it sorrowful on your spiritual leaders. Okay? Let's just do what's right. I promise you I won't tell you anything that's not in the word. Now, I may say it a little bit different than your former pastor, but that's okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? To be or not to be, that's the question. And where are we going and where are we going and what's, what's up with God? What's down with God? What, uh, what, what is that gobbledygook? No, study your Bible. No, stand in, stand in faith and let's do this thing together, okay? God has a great plan in store for this church and you are part of that vision effort. Let's move and let's continue to walk in unity. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.